Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or a message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. We are on episode 57, and here we are, still going strong in this pandemic. It's kind of crazy. Um, My gym is doing okay, so for people who have been asking, we're back in the gym. We're following all the protocols that we need to for Alabama, and we're making it happen, and people are coming back in. People want to be healthy. People are trying to find something to give them maybe just a little bit more to defend against what's going on. But either way, I'm happy to have more people come into the gym and happy to be moving on with this podcast. And today on episode 57, we have a friend of mine, a special guest, and somebody who um, I feel has really helped change a lot of my training and what I've do what I'm doing right now with our members and our athletes. And his name is JL Holdsworth, and he is the founder, a co-founder of RPR, Reflexive Performance Reset, along with Chris Corfis and Cal Dietz. If you've never heard of these two men, they are phenomenal coaches, trainers in the strength and conditioning world and speed world. Um, and today we get to dive deep into what RPR is. Now, if you've never heard of RPR or Chris Corfis or any of these people, JL Holdsworth, we go kind of quick into who JL is. And if you've watched West Side versus the World, then you've actually seen JL write his name on the board um, because he used to train at West Side. And um, Louis Simmons, um, all the guys who are probably more of your veteran um, members of West Side, um, he trained with almost all of them. And he goes into depth of, about his training, how his state of mind was then, how he viewed training and um, business and life, and how that has dramatically changed because of this course called Be Activated, which led into RPR. So stick around if you want to learn some tips and some tricks to help you perform better in an instant. I'm not talking about like, let's take 20 minutes to do these things. I'm talking about seconds. If you want to become just a little bit more optimal in your training in life, but I'm sure everybody here listening is for training, um, stick around because we're going to kind of get into that. And I want to thank all of you who have uh, given reviews given some stars, whether they were four stars or five stars, I take all of that feedback. And I want to thank you all for taking that time to leave some messages and actually writing a review. And I wanted to read one today um, from Alexis0124. And she said, um, I'm a newbie to powerlifting. I'm so grateful that I found this podcast solely for women. I've learned so much from listening to all these amazing women. Please keep this podcast going. And thank you, Heidi, for bringing this to us. You to bomb. Oh, the mom, I like that word. Thank you. You, you the bomb, Alexis. Thank you for giving us that review. And while I'm at it, I'm going to give one from another girl named Callie. And I just realized that she left her Instagram handle on there. Um, and she said, beginning female lifter here, just what I needed. Love, love, love this podcast. I just started lifting in April of this year. 
Being an at-home weightlifter is scary at times, and this podcast keeps me inspired in reaching for my strength goals. Heidi's a fantastic host, and I absolutely love hearing all the badass women, strong females featured on this podcast. They share their real stories, and it reminds me that we are all human, and we all start somewhere. That's exactly right. Um, Heidi does a great job of making this entertaining and informative Thank you. Highly recommend. And if y'all want to find her, she said, find me at, uh, at Callie, C-A-L-L-E-Y-P-F-Y-L on Instagram. And Callie, I am going to find you right after this. And as you know, this podcast is hosted and it is sponsored by my gym, Core Strength and Performance in Huntsville, Alabama, where we live through strength. And if you are looking to level up your training, if you are still training at home, or maybe you're able to go back to the gym. We offer online training and in-person. However, our online is a little bit more catered for powerlifting. And uh, we do a lot of video feedback. You get a custom program. Um, and really, we don't take on a lot of people. So I like to keep it a little smaller. So if you're interested, or if you have any questions on training or fitness, hit me up either right in uh, this video, because I am actually videoing this as well. So if you want to see the YouTube um, the YouTube interview with JL today, go find our Instagram. I'm sorry, find our YouTube channel core strength and performance, and you'll be able to find me blabbing, uh, in the beginning of this. Now let's get into it with JL. I had watched you sign your name on that West side versus the world. Yeah. And it was funny when I saw that pop up, I was like, Oh, jail (laughs) it's like it was really cool so when you were talking about that on there i was like oh that's so cool like it's just one of those experiences that you get to kind of talk about um and i would love for you to kind of get into a little bit about your background um but i would like to say this like i didn't realize all your accolades of course um but you have a 905 squat a 775 bench and an 804 deadlift at your peak right so at the best That is crazy yep. to even think that total is ginormous. And you were one of the strongest guys at the time. Tell me a little bit about what yeah, got you I, into all that. Yeah. yeah, when I did that, it was the fourth highest total in the world all time uh, in the 275 weight class. And, you know, going into WPOs that year, I all my training numbers – my plan was 100%. Gary Franks had totaled 2,600. He was the only one who had done it at that point. All my numbers I was doing in the gym, I, w- I thought I was going to total 2,650 in that meet. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, I was doing an 1,100-pound squat. Things got sideways, herniated L5-S1, and, uh, you know, just wasn't able to finish that meet. And, you know, uh, it's interesting because, you know, my path to powerlifting – you know, I don't know. I, I I don't know if there's a traditional path to powerlifting. I just I, I I don't know. I don't know if that exists, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it it's a crossroads of things that really just met beautifully for where I was in my life. And for me, I was always this super super high drive person who wanted to master whatever I did. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I also had a lot of anger and rage issues. And the cool thing about the weights is no matter how pissed off you are at the weights and whatever you do to them, they don't sue you. So that's cool. (laughs) Uh, and so, uh, it was just this thing where, you know, I'd spent so much of my life, you know, I was wrestling, you know, I took second in state wrestling in Michigan and, 
uh, played college football and it's, I'd spent all my life, you know, just ramming myself into things. And then I went, Oh, okay. Well, if you put a thousand pounds on the bar, this is something else we can ram ourselves into. So, uh, it was, it was a natural fit from, from the start for me. Uh, I had, I attempted, uh, Olympic weightlifting first was actually, Hmm. so I was, lucky enough to live um my girlfriend uh at the time her sister was training for the olympics in Colorado springs at the olympic training center yeah. and so we could live we lived out in Colorado springs for a summer her parents basically rented a house or a cabin on on the side of Mount green mountain out there uh and they were going back to michigan for the summer so it was a free place to stay out there for the summer wow i was in college right so uh, it was right before my last year of college football and so we lived out there for the summer uh, learned how to Olympic lift, uh, West Barnett was two time Olympia. I mean, it was just a wonderful environment to, to be able to learn that. And, you know, someone, a name that you might know, which is, this is a really funny story. Uh, Travis mash, yeah. you know Travis. Yeah. Is? Okay. So weirdest thing ever. So, tra- so Travis was the manager of the world's gym where my girlfriend got a job. So he knew he knew my girlfriend's sister from the Olympic training center and just from being in the, you know, and, in, in you know, athletics. And so he was the manager. So my girlfriend got a job there and then I knew him. Right. But just cause I would come pick her up because we only had obviously one car. And then I was doing door to door sales and, uh, the best job ever. Seriously, we could do a whole podcast about this job. It was the most amazing job. What ever. did you sell? Vacuum? Whatever they, whatever they wanted me to. So the way <laughs> The way, the, the, I was in college. I needed it's spoken money. like a true closer. I'm just gonna put that out there. You're a true closer. You're like, doesn't matter what it is. I'm selling it. I'm selling it. Popsicle, the woman in white gloves. You pay me enough. But <laughs> the, the whole point is that basically, so the way it worked, I worked for this company, door to door sales, but it's really a marketing company. So let's say for your gym, you would hire the company and you'd give them. Well, it wouldn't work for a gym, but a product, a pizza place. So Papa John's, it, you know, they give $10,000 worth of product. The company breaks it up into coupons. And so it ends up being $50,000 worth of coupons because it's, so then they get to go out and sell and can make whatever money they make off this. So mm. basically it was a coupon book where it was 20 buy one, get one free pizzas. Amazing deal for 20 bucks. Yeah. And so you just go door to door and it's basically to raise awareness for the company. So it's grassroots type marketing, but yeah. with, you know, a sales thing. So, uh, I got done working one night and I had an extra couple cards in my car and I walked into the gym and I sold Travis, uh, I forget what it was, pizza or something. I don't remember what it was, but I sold him a card. And on my way driving home, he called me, he goes, dude, I don't even like pizza. <laughs> I, come sell memberships at this gym because you just sold me something I didn't even want. And I was happy. And then after you left, I got thinking, I don't eat pizza. And so, so Trav hired me at the gym for membership sales. So I did that for him for the rest of the summer. And then, you know, who was in charge of the climbing wall at that gym? Who? Jason Coker. What? Yes. So me, Trav, and Jason Coker worked at the same gym in Colorado Springs, and neither none of us weightlifted or uh, powerlifted at the time, right? None of us powerlifted no. at the time. Like Trav was just kind of strong. He was doing Olympic lifting stuff kind of back then. I was still playing college football. Jason was just figuring out what he wanted to do, kind of lifting stuff. <laughs> yeah, he was not climbing. He ran it. I didn't say that he was doing it. And, I was like, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, with those stubby arms, no way. But uh, 
So the three of us worked at the same gym in Colorado Springs at the at World's Gym in Colorado Springs in 1990, what was that? 99 or 2000. Oh and none gosh. of us were in powerlifting. And then you think about like all of us competed like WPO, like all the things we've done. It's so crazy how that, that happened. so crazy. Another one, Croc and I went to college together. So, so it's this weird path of things that just, yes. it's so, so Chad Walker was an amazing heavyweight. Uh, Chad Walker and I went to college together. Croc, like it's just, there was another real good powerlifter, Josh McMillan, him and I went to, I moved around a lot. We went to elementary school. So it's these weird elementary school. How, that is so crazy. So that was weird. Cause Josh, I, I was writing for elite FDS and uh, I got an email. And so we hadn't seen each other since uh, sixth grade. We were neighbors like fourth, fourth through sixth grade. That's and so crazy. Uh, I hadn't seen him since sixth grade. And, you know, JL is kind of a, obviously a fairly unique name. Right. So he, he, I got an email on the elite FTS forums way back in, you know, whatever this was 2002 or 2003. And, uh, he said, you know, is this JL? Did you go to Claire? Yeah. It's all I power lift. And, uh, his dad. So to this day, so his dad was so, his dad was, was basically my hero as a little kid Mm. because his dad was our principal and he was jacked. This dude, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you right now, Greg McMillan, he's still jacked to this day. But when I was a little kid, I'm telling you, as a little kid, dude had a motorcycle. Like he would ride oh, yeah. sleeves off. Principal, I was like, I want to be like that motherfucker. That's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, I was like, I want to be like that dude. That's awesome. And, and he was a uh, principal? Oh yeah, dude. It's like a 600 pound deadlifter. I mean, at, at a light, I don't know, like a 185 uh, type of weight. Like that is so I mean, crazy. Strong, yeah. So, so yeah. So my, it's funny because these people in powerlifting, we had all these interactions early on in life, Yeah. but I, I, I didn't, I, I left Colorado Springs. I was, I'm going to do Olympic weightlifting. And, uh, I kind of, I sat in that and I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't built for it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up, I was fortunate. My, uh, my D line coach got the assistant strength coach job at the university of Kentucky. Um, and so he brought me down there with him. Mm-hmm. And when I went down there to interview with the head guy, I was on the platforms and I was cleaning and snatching and doing all my stuff. And they were on the squat racks and they're using bands and chains and all this stuff. And I look, I, I, at, at this point, I mean, this is, you know, 2000 or whatever. I'd never seen this stuff. I go over there. Yeah. You know, what do you, cause I, and this is the thing, right? As I say, it's a culmination. I love mastery. So when I see something that's novel to me or new, right, I got to know about it. Yeah. I, I think there, there's two types of people and you've been in, um, you've been in clinics and seminars or different things where the, the speaker asks, okay, does everybody understand what I'm saying? And everybody nods their head and then, right. Right. And then, and then you walk out in the hall and everybody's going, we didn't yeah. what he said. <laughs> and and I'll tell you this for people out there, the speakers know you don't understand, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the obvious. Uh, the thing is, I've always been the guy when someone, it, first of all, let's just be honest. No one has to wait to ask if I understand. If someone, <laughs> right? If someone says something, I don't understand. I'm like, ooh, ooh, right here. Next question. Me, me. Uh, I need, nope, stop right there. Uh... Be- because to me, I think, and this is the whole thing why I love mastery of whatever I'm doing is that I want to understand it at such a deep level. Right. And yeah. for, for me, 
you know, I've, I've always held this philosophy that I want my knowledge to be an inch wide and a mile deep. Mm-hmm. I don't want my knowledge to be an inch deep and a mile wide. Right. And so at different points in my life, I've gone through these different phases where, okay, what's that inch going to be for this five years or this 10 years? And, uh, and so for me, that's what happened. And powerlifting, man, I say, you know, start telling me about Westside Barbell and Elite FTS and Conjugate. And I never heard any of this stuff. And, and I just, I went, okay, let's, I found my inch. Let's, let's start digging. And, uh, you know, I went to a clinic out in Vegas with Mel Sif and Louis Simmons and, uh, I mean, just started going to the old, the original, uh, Dave Tate had the tour de force seminars that mm-hmm. were way, way back in the day with, you know, you got, you know, VHS tapes when you did it. And, uh, <laughs> right. Like first half the people listen and they're going, what are VHS tapes? Oh, uh, yeah. I had to explain it to my kids. I was like, you know, in Hawaii, everything molds. So you had to be very careful with your VHS because the whole thing would mold. It's just so awful. I'm like, no, not little mermaid. Like that's all I have. Yeah, they have no, they have no clue what you're doing. Like mom, no. you're so, yeah. you're so we're, we're, did the dinosaurs deliver the VHS tapes or <laughs> yeah. did it's, I show them things yeah, every once so. in a while. So I'll be like, hey, do you know what this is? They're like, I think I do. I go, what about this? They're like, um, is that, did that have, used to have music on air? I'm like, oh, fuck. It's just a tape. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Oh, do you dude, know how you play it? You remember making, for real, you remember making the mis- mixtapes? Yeah. That's a great. Stop record. Oh like, I mean, I used to record radio. Like, I knew that song was coming yeah. on. That shit yeah. was ready. I was. <laughs> knew when it was coming. Yep. Oh, I love that. The kids don't even understand the value of that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you got really so, deep into powerlifting. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I mean, so so for me, man, I just it was like I just kept digging and and yeah. I just bought everything, digested everything, read everything, and back in you know this is like two thousand or whatever it was. Uh, you you couldn't just get online and find what you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Elite was, you know, had started and the Q&A was starting to, to get going and, you know, but you just had to go visit and go do things and find things. And it was so much harder to find information. The difference was back then is when you got information, it was really good information. Yeah. And so I was able, you know, for me, I did my first, I trained at Kentucky with my, my training partner was another guy that the strength coach there, Evan Simon, who was, you know, we did our first powerless meet together, need Neither one of us knew what we were doing, but I'll tell you this to this day that, you know, Evan, he, he handled me at all my meets. He was the greatest handler. He was was so good. And, uh, you know, for us, you know, we go to the meet, we don't really know what we're doing and we did, you know, it's your first meet, right? For those people out there, you guys remember your first meet, you you have no clue. And back in 2000, you know, geared lifting was really what was popular. Yeah. So I had a bench shirt that, you know, I think at my, that my biggest still never fit me. I just didn't know what I was doing. Right. I just, <laughs> I'm sure it was uh, a great meet still though for you. Oh, it was phenomenal. I still have, you know, great, this great picture collage that from that meet. And, uh, it's, it's just amazing because so I do the meet and we actually did it up in Newark, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes from Columbus. And so everybody from West side was there at the time. So, so to close the loop on the Kentucky thing, the guy on the platform who told me about her on the squire told me about the band change was Jim Wendler. And so, <laughs> so I had replaced Jim in his position at Kentucky. And so Jim had come up to work at elite FTS by that time. And so he was training at Westside 
And so all the guys, you know, Dave Tate, you know, Chuck Vogelpohl, I remember Mike Ruggiero was, I think the biggest human being I had seen in my, his head was literally, it was the big, I've never seen a human being with a bigger head in my life at that point. It was insane. Uh, and so we did the meet and, uh, the dust settled from the meet and, uh, you know, I totaled 2160 and, uh, you know, I didn't know. I was like, is that good? I, I don't know. That's my first meet. Right. Yeah. Your and early twenties, right? Like you're yeah. like 22 no, I, or something. Yeah. 22. And, and I was, I just was like, I don't know. Is that good? And, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I won the meet and, uh, beat everybody from West side that, that, that I was <laughs> against. And Louie came up to me after the meet and was like, yeah, hey, 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 you, you want to meet, you come to West side move. You'll be, you'll be world champion. I was like, so I, I basically wrote, a, I mean, it was like, Louie don't really ask. He kind of tells you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I basically, I, I wrote a pros and cons list and, you know, staying collegiate strength conditioning at the time I was going to move back and be a strength coach at central Michigan. Cause my old offensive coordinator, actually you're in Alabama. He's now a consultant with Alabama because it's Butch Jones. He was a head head coach for Tennessee. And then when he lost that job, then he became a consultant for Alabama. But uh, so Butch, what we had talked and it was going to come to Central Michigan, be a strength coach for him. So I wrote a pros and cons list, be a strength coach at Central or uh, go to Westside Barbell. And Westside Barbell won out. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I consider myself really fortunate. I moved to Columbus, you know, when I was a GA at Kentucky, you get paid uh, basically nothing. And uh, I, I didn't have any money. I, I moved to Columbus. By the time I got to Columbus, I had $300 to my name and everything I owned was in a two-door Grand Am. Jeez. I had I, I was at a point where I owned a fork, a knife, a spoon, a bowl. And when I say uh, I mean one, uh, a plate and a frying pan. And that's what I owned. And 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 I had a mug. And the mug was sweet. And I still wish that I had it, but I lost it somewhere, which I'm really <laughs> mad about. But um Cause there's this plastic mug that I had all through college and I don't know what happened to it. But, uh, and, and I lived on, uh, Matt Smith, uh, let me live on his couch in a one bedroom apartment. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was what I did. I, I trained, I got a job. Dave got me a job at, uh, where he used to personal train before he started elite and, mm. um, did that to make money and, um, you know, did, did some other things to make money and, uh, which, which is a different podcast. And, uh, <laughs> You wouldn't be the first one. Let's put it that way. Okay. You're not my first guest. Different (laughs) different podcast. But, uh, and so. Listen, uh, we can get you an OnlyFans page if you're trying to talk to me about that. No, no, no. No, no, different, different. When when you're, when you're big, bald, and scary, you, you protect those that do. I'll say that. uh, Yes. Um, I can. You protect those that do. You protect those that do. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh. It's um, so, so you can com- see so you're competing up until this point, And I know that you you had sort of a pivotal point when you got injured. Right. So you got injured yeah, so- and that's what kind of changed things for you. And I think I, I like hearing about um, what happened in your mindset going into why you were injured, because it wasn't just like a normal like, hey, I'm going to do this and this. And why don't you speak about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it comes down to rage issues and ego and all of these things that, you know, you know, when a fish is swimming in water, it doesn't realize it's in water. Mm. 
not until you put the fish on land does it start flopping around and realizing that oh shit i need i'm i was in that wet stuff yeah and so for me there was so much anger and rage all the time i didn't think there was a problem right when i went out i legitimately i thought that people other people it was their fault that i had to punch them in the face because they were looking at me funny right right i mean that i mean i mean that's really how i operate in life i'm like well it's you know what if they didn't look at me like that then i wouldn't have punched them in the face yeah. or if they wouldn't have said that and so you know in in 2004, I, you know, like I said, I was in the squad, her nail 5S1. I go from, I have the fourth highest total in the world all time. I wake up the next morning and my roommate has to help me put my underwear on. Ugh. And so for me, man, it was just, it was awful time. I mean, I went, I lost my, my entire identity because at that point, right. I was fucking, I was the strongest guy at West side. I was, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I was. I was a star at that point for our tiny little sport of powerlifting. And that was my whole identity, how, you know, who I was. Right. And I lost that. And then it's, you know, it, it was just, for me, it was deep depression. I mean, for six years, I literally, you know, from basically 2004 to 2010 or 2005 to 2011, really, um, for those six years, cause that happened late in 2004, uh, from 2005 to 2011, if I was in prison, you, you wouldn't even know because basically either I was all these articles, I was putting out all this stuff. And then from 2005 to 2011, it was like I disappeared from the face of the earth and didn't exist because I was just depressed. I just, it was, it was not, it was not a good time, man. And, uh, you know, I would go into my doctor and my doctor who I, I love to death would, you know, yell at me because that's why I love him. Cause that's the kind of guy he is. And <laughs> he, would cuss, he would cuss me out and say that I'm so smart and I'm wasting my life. And just, I mean, and at the time I was, I was like, I don't, he's just a dick. I don't know what he's talking about. Mm. Uh, and then in 2011, I started the spot athletics, uh, and, and it gave me purpose again. And I mean, there was really a culmination of, of things that happened. And, and what I'll say is this, and, you know, it's funny because things happen in our lives and, and when they happen, and this is where I've really gotten to a point in life where I say there is nothing that is good or bad in your life. There's just things that happen. Mm -hmm. We don't, there is no way that we understand the scope and the breadth of time and space in order to understand all the implications of what things are going to mean for us down the road. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's letting go of, that's letting go of all the emotion and the thoughts that come with that. I mean, for me at my, my age, I look back now and I think those things, like I just never knew what would benefit me now 10 years later. So even as I experience it now, if I think it's bad, maybe it is, it's just an experience and it's just something that's going to be on my journey. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. And that's where people, you know, Oh, I'm having a bad day. This happened. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. I just, I'm at a point where there, I don't, you know, nothing that happens to me. And look, I'm not saying I don't get caught up in emotions and things because we all do. Right. Mm -hmm. However, when I can step back out of that and look at it, it's there, it's just all things. None of it has meaning because I can't interpret the meaning. So I would tell you that, at, you know, for six years, it, I was depressed. It was awful as this. However, it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to me because if I would have kept going on the path I was on, 
right? We'd be talking and potentially, because you never know, but if my numbers kept going like they were, right, then maybe you're talking to a guy who has one of the all-time best totals in the history of the world or world records, all this stuff. However, the person that I am today, if I was still the same person I was back then, I wouldn't have the successes and be able to parent my kids like I can now because I'm a different person. I wouldn't have the businesses that I do because I would not be a person who could handle those things. I'd I'd probably be in jail for killing someone because the way I used to punch people was just not cool. So (laughs) I know Andy told me uh, before we had the, uh, the clinic and he was, we were just talking about, you know, like a recap and he's like, no, I kid you not. Like one day he told me we were hanging out and one day he told me like, I almost kicked this guy's ass. And I can't even remember what it was, but it was some sort of situation. Y'all were together and you were so upset about something. And, uh, he doesn't, he was like, I, I, I'm so surprised. He's like, he's such a different person now than he was then. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, there's just so many times where it's just, I look back and, you know, look, the, the person I was, I look at it like this and this is the no good or bad. I'm, I, I love the person that I was, right. I have some fucking amazing stories, right. Yeah. Some unbelievable fucking stories. Like, if I wasn't the person I was, I couldn't give you the piece of knowledge that when you bench press almost 800 pounds and you punch someone in the face, it's considered a felony intent to do great bodily harm. Right. <laughs> That's kind of a fun fact. Right. Um, and so, so I have great stories and, and I just, I love the life I've lived up to this point. But to me, the only truth, right? So we talk about there is no good, there is no bad. The only truth that I've learned there is, is in the present. Yeah. And what I know is I'm sitting here talking to you. The only thing I know to be true is what's happening right now. I'm talking to you. Yeah. What's happened in the past, what's happened in the future, I don't have perspective on. Yeah. So that's really what I focus on now is just staying in the present and, and just being, right? Not, yeah. not, you know, being good or being bad, just being, right? And so... For me, the, this journey, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone on it if it wasn't for that injury. Um, you know, in 2014, I was I was fortunate. I worked my way back. I won a world championship in deadlift in 2014. Uh, after that, you know, I said I'm going to get good at business, and I want to now. I want to go. Yeah, at that point, I, I said okay, right. I, I dug my mile trench. Right, I got I worked my way back to the platform, won a world championship, and then I and then to me, it was okay. It's time to dig a new trench. Yeah. And so I, I moved, you know, out of that powerlifting trance and I haven't done a meet since that world championship meet. I'll never do another meet in my life again. Uh, I love the sport of powerlifting. It's, it's a huge part of my history and, and I love it and I'll always support the sport and you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but for me in 2014, I said, I, I said, okay, you know, I really am going to focus on business and I want to start digging that trench and be one of the best people in the world at business. Yeah. And. So I started digging that trench. I mean, at the time of spot athletics, you know, which started as, which, and, and I'll always love it because it really is what gave me purpose again and pulled me out of that depression and really allowed me to even be able to, to have the energy and the purpose to get back on the platform. And, you know, so I'll always love it. And, you know, so I had it from 2011 is when we started it, which is why I say for six years, because once that started back up, it gave me purpose again. Yeah. Um, you know, I went from working a job that I hated 20 hours a week. And to work in a job that I made, you know, a third of the money and worked 120 hours a week. We have so many parallels. You have no idea. Right. And I, was, I was happy as shit. Yep. I was so happy. 
And because we were really impacting people's lives, we were transforming people's lives. And um, I I just, I was like, this is what I want to do. It's transforming people's lives is, is what gives me purpose. And, you know, this, this, it was an interesting thing because then in 14, I really said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best in the world at business. And, you know, I wanted to have, you know, a bunch of spot athletics all over the Midwest. And, uh, that was the plan. So we started growing the spot. And so we went from a small 2000 square foot location where we sublease space. We moved into an 8,000 square foot location where we were standalone. Um, and then we expanded that 8,000 square foot into a 20,000 square foot facility. And then we opened another 20,000 square foot facility. So now I have two 20,000 square foot facilities, uh, you know, in the Columbus, Ohio area, and they're a hundred percent private training facilities. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're two of the nicest facilities in the country. I mean, you walk into our newest one and I mean, you, people don't know, they walk in like, is this a franchise or what? Cause it's just so beautiful. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what, I mean, we've owned that now three years in, uh, I'll be honest, every time I walk in, I can't believe that, that it's mine. Right. Like I still do. Right. I still walk in and go, fuck, this is cool. And it's like, fuck, this is, this is something that, you know, I, I, I was, I was part of building. Right. And, um, you know, and was, and not just part of building, but I was the architect of building this. Right. Like, so things don't get ever get built by yourself. Right. But, But, you know, being the architect of building that, I'm, I'm still, I walk in that place, I'm just amazed. And, you know, but but then in 2016, life changed. Um, so, you know, at that point, it was business, business, business. We're going to grow this. We're going to do this. Um, and then I was speaking at a clinic with, uh, at Robert Morris University, um, Todd Hammer, who he wrote for Elite FTS for a long time. So I was, you know, knew him real well. And. Uh, Todd Hammer was having a clinic at Robert Morris and, uh, Cal Dietz was there speaking and I was there. And, uh, so we were, we were hanging out talking and he starts telling me about this stuff and all these amazing results he's getting with athletes. And I was, I, you know, I knew I'd known Cal for a while at that point and knew that he was a really, really sharp dude and, yeah. and, and, and not a dude to bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, so he's telling me and what he's telling me sounds unbelievable, but it's Cal. So I believe it. Right. Right. And, uh, so he tells me the guy he learned it from is from South Africa. His name's Douglas Heal. He's coming to Minnesota, bring him in. So it was in a couple months. So I signed up and I, I go to this four day course and, uh, I learned be activated. And, and when I got done, I remember I was eating dinner with Cal and with Douglas. And, and I just said, this is the most life changing shit I've learned since I learned about West side barbell. Wow. And I said, I said two years after I learned about West side barbell, I said, I was writing my name on that record board and I was living in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Yeah. And so, and so to me, I, so I told Douglas and, and Cal, I said, look, when I do something, I don't, I don't go half in. Right. When yeah. I learned about powerlifting. It wasn't, Hey, that's a cool sport. It's I'm going to be the best in the world. Yeah. So from there, you know, basically, you know, for those of the people who are listening who are unfamiliar, Be Activated is a hands-on, you know, practitioner-driven system. So if someone does it, you know, for you, just like, you know, think like physical therapy, but it's its own modality, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I came back to the spot, and the first person I worked on was Dave Tate. And uh, <laughs> Dave had, had set a PR on Sunday in his squat. That was 610 pounds for a certain bar. And I worked on him on a Wednesday 
And that, that was a 10 pound PR and he hadn't set a PR in about two years, he said. And so he was super, so he comes in Wednesday and he's, you know, setting a PR, man. I don't care, man. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Oh yeah. Especially 20 years later. Like you don't yeah. set PRs like that often. No. It, it, and you know, and of course it's right. It's a special bar. It's a certain box. box right. Yeah, and yeah. You, know, you know how, right. <laughs> you know how it is. You know, it's, it's, it's a PR. It's still a PR. Still a PR. It's real specific. <laughs> yes. Still a PR. And so he's super geeked up, you know, and he's telling me about this 10 pound PR. And you know, the thing was, was, you know, when Davis or 600 shakes real bad, I mean, yeah. it's really bad. I was like, how bad did he shake? He goes, Oh, they thought I was going to die. <laughs> and so, so basically I, you know, so I work on Dave, I do be activated on Dave. And, uh, he, I say, yeah, you know, go lift. What are you gonna do? He says, speed squats. And I said, oh yeah, that's cool. And he, he said, okay, so I can, I can go do this after this. Said, yeah, of course your body's neurologically locked in. So, so I'm like, you're firing in the right sequence. Everything's great from a neurological perspective. So he goes and lifts that night and freaking calls me. And I don't know if I've ever heard Dave be so excited. He said a 90 pound PR. That is just wild. He went from six to he wasn't even supposed to go heavy. He was doing light and everything sent so good. He kept going up and he ended up squatting 700. And he'd only done 610 three days earlier. That is crazy. And so at that point, I, I knew before I ever left that it was going to be life changing. But so that's the physical side. Yeah. The mental side, the mental side was when I got to the airport on my way home, I called my wife and phone rings. And it answers, you know, she answers, Hey, what's going on? I said, Hey babe, what's going on? And she literally, her response to me was what's wrong with you. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't felt this good in, in maybe my whole life. Right. And I mean, I just spent four days going through all this work and doing it, learning all this stuff. And I said, I, I feel amazing. What are you talking? No, something's wrong with you. And she just keep, she ended up hanging up on me, <laughs> right? She ended up hanging up on me. Yeah. And so my next call was today, right? And then, um, and, you know, let, let's be real. I probably called Dave, but, um, but like, let's be real. But um, so, you know, so the, the, the mental change it's had has is, is been profound. So when I get back, do this to Dave, I'm, you know, I'm realizing these things. And so at that point I was like, okay, when, I want to give this to all our clients a spot and, and bigger than that. I, this is something that can help fuck, like so many of my friends and, and, you know, beyond Dave. Right. The thing is, is, you know, at the spot, right. It's personal training, strength, conditioning, all this. So when someone comes in, I can't work on them for an hour. They're here to work out. Right. right That's right. not what we, and so, you know, I start talking to Cal and, and Chris Corfus is, um, it's a sprint coach out of Chicago who is literally, I say he's a savant. I mean, if you, I'll say this. I know this is powerlifting based, but if you guys do sports performance and you listen to this podcast, if you're not following Chris Corfus and his sprint work, you're missing out because he has changed our program at Spot Athletics. Like really? the way we do things is so much better from an athletic development standpoint. Um, and so he's just he's a savant when it comes to sprinting and, and making people faster. It's awesome. awesome. And and so Corfus. He, what he did was he was the one who actually, well, to back it up, there's a guy, his name is Dan Fichter and everyone should know him as the international man of mystery because, because no one knows who he is. And he is one of the smartest people at the neural side of performance I've ever met in my life. 
it's he's insane so dan's insane so the international man of mystery he actually found douglas originally i don't even know how long ago in london uh, england and told corfus about it corfus brought douglas over the u.s corfus told cal cal told me so then i knew corfus and cal so i get i get on the horn with those guys and i'm like hey guys we got to make this simplified so that people can do it for themselves because this is shit people need every day. And one, like not that many people know people who know how to do this hands-on work. Right. And two, uh, it's not practical to go to someone to get this hands-on work every day. Yeah. And so just, we we basically started talking about how we could do it and and talk to Douglas in South Africa. And, you know, basically in, in 2016, you know, um, you know, I co-founded Reflexive Performance Reset, um, which people might know as RPR. And basically that, you know, it's a it's a system of daily self-care techniques that change your nervous system so you can perform at your best. And, I mean, it, it builds your resilience to stress. It reduces injury. It improves recovery. Obviously, it makes you stronger. Uh, and it, it's – but it does it through the nervous system. And this is the thing is – and, you know – before I started learning and going down this rabbit hole, because I've gone so far down this rabbit hole at this point, again, to, to give people context, right? So I started doing this stuff. So I went to that BX, it's been almost five years ago now. And I started RPR four years ago. And the crazy part about this, right? That seems like a short time, right? Mm-hmm. But put it in perspective for how my brain works. And this, this is a thing. Anybody who spends any time around me knows I'm, I'm the worst ADD in the world. Uh, my brain is my, one of my really good friends describes it as a laser light show. And so, (laughs) and so a lot of times when I start talking and we're going over certain things, I got to hit record because I won't even remember the things I'm saying. It's like that Will Ferrell scene where it's like, I blacked out. What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, that doesn't seem like a long time or, you know, scope of time. That doesn't seem like a long time. However, I learned powerlifting was a sport. And two years later, I was writing my name on the record board at Westside Barbell and had the biggest total in the gym. So, so four now. Four years is beyond doing, mastery for you and is what you're trying to say. You dove deep. I, I dove deep. Yeah. And the thing about this one that's crazy is I feel like I've gone a mile deep on this and this motherfucker keeps going. Yeah. This, <laughs> it is a definite there. rabbit hole. Like with each yeah. rock that's moved, I feel like, whoa, what about this stuff? And I mean, just even within the course of me taking level two, you know, which I'm going to talk about some experiences of mine. Um, yeah. Now I feel like my eyes are open at different things where I can see the relation of different things. Yeah. And so now, I mean, and so, you know, I've co-founded RPR and and now that's, that's really my passion yeah. is, is building that, growing that. And, and cause it really is, I mean, if you breathe or move, it can help you. And I just have so many friends from powerlifting that, you know, if people are familiar with their autonomic nervous system, which is your parasympathetic and sympathetic, you know, more, more commonly people know as fight or flight, rest and recover, Yes. Um, which as you know, I believe are hundred percent wrong terms, yes. right? We've yeah. talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the terms fight or flight, rest and recover will be a hundred percent outdated old terms, just like, so the, the example I give is in the 1970s. Um, so the people who turned the coin, the, the people who said that, 
it's fight or flight, rest and recover. The thing we've held on to as, as a belief that that's really how it works are literally the same scientists who said that a woman's uterus would fall out if she ran a marathon. <laughs> that's right. And she, and she would die, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, all the women listening right now are like, motherfuckers. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? So here's the deal all, to all the women listening right now, right? Because I know there's a ton of women, right? Like this is a majority women podcast, right? To all the women listening right now, if you care about, you know, the feminine strength and, and womanhood, you will stop using fight or flight and rest and recover. That's, <laughs> that, that's a, I like how you slipped that one in there. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, it's totally unrelated, but I like it. Um, if, it help, if it helps my cause, I'm good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, it is, I think, you know, parasympathetic to, in, in the neurological lens is your performance system. Sympathetic is your survival. System. Yeah. So this and, was a big one for me because we, we had talked yeah. about paradigm shift, right? Because in the science, anybody who's in this field, we always view flight or fight as like anxiety or excitatory state. And then uh, your parasympathetic is sleeping. I'm resting. I'm going to, you know, it's totally not what you talk about. And it's in it, in a way that was the hardest thing for me to kind of like wrap my brain around because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you're telling me that if I do these series of breathing and rubbing on the, all these funky areas on my body, that I will go into a parasympathetic st- state. I don't want to go into a parasympathetic state. I want to, that's like when I meditate, I don't want to do that. I want to be, you know, I want to be on, I want to be ready to go. Like I couldn't wrap my brain around that parasympathetic is actually what you do want because that's what is going to give you the best performance. And maybe you can talk about what that difference is and how you like to say that. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you wrapped it up pretty beautifully. I would say the thing is, is you're never all one or the other. And that's the component I think that people miss is, is you are born, think about how you're born in the fetal position. Mm -hmm. You are born sympathetic. Yeah. I mean, childbirth is, as you know, a very traumatic thing for everyone involved. Yes. And, and so, you know, you're born in this fetal position, which is a sympathetic position. So your entire life, like learning how to walk is learning how to stand upright and become parasympathetic. Mm. So you're never all or one. However, when you can shift that parasympathetic tone up, that's your performance system. And that doesn't matter if you're getting in a fight. Think about it like this. So when I say that, when people are like, no, no, sympathetic. Or like, let's say hey, this is powerlifting podcast, right? So if you're going up to the bar, right, and people are getting jacked up and banging their head on things and doing things, that is driving that sympathetic system. And people think that's the way to go. However, the best, well, let me, so a friend of mine, Brian Carroll, he just squatted 1306. I know, fucking crazy. Right? Awesome. So cool. How excited did he look under the bar? Uh, yeah. Calm, calm. Yes. That's the thing. Why has Brian Carroll probably done more over a thousand pound squats than any powerlifter in the course of history? Because he can regulate his parasympathetic dominance. Well, yeah, he's not super jacked up, crazy lifter. You know, who is a super jacked up, crazy lifter? This guy. (laughs) You know, not, not, I didn't get hurt. So when that 1100 pound squat, I was supposed to squat heavy that day. I didn't get hurt because that was my plan and I was following the plan. I got hurt because at that point in time, no visitor would come in and squat with the morning crew and some turd 
came in and now he was a strong guy, like an 800 pound squatter, but everyone in our squat group was close to a thousand. And so you don't squat with our group. And he, he's like, I'm going to squat with you guys. Okay. Motherfucker. You're going to do every fucking lift. I do. Well, <laughs> once we got North of 800, he couldn't squat it, but I made him before he got in. I said, if you're getting in our group, you're going to take every weight I take. And so we went 900, a thousand, 1100. I made him take every single one of them. <laughs> and so got crushed. Right. And so I did it because of my ego, because right. I had a ton to prove, right? Because I had, I don't know who I was proving it to, but, uh, you know, I showed him, I ended up with depression for six years, right? But, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you talking about that, that's exactly right. And I think you had said even, and it clicked for me, you know, talking about being calm under the bar, but even like SEALs or people who are special ops, you know, the well, flow this, state, yeah. right? This is the thing that I say right all the time, right? If you're let's, you know, and let's take it out of power. Let's, let's take it into something that I'm really familiar with football. If it's fourth quarter games on the line, quarterbacks in the huddle, do you want the quarterback in the huddle? Who's super calm going, all right, guys, we're going to win this. No problem. Here's the play. Or do you want the guys in the huddles going, Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. Right. Like everybody. No, I want the calm guy. Yeah. Because you want the parasympathetic dominant guy. Cause he's performing, yeah. not sympathetic. And that's why I always take it to the super visceral, uh, thing where, you know, if, if you have, you know, whatever we're sitting in our, our houses and our gyms right now, if terrorists run in my house, I'm going to freak out and run and hide. I, I don't know how to deal with that. Right. That's sympathetic. That's what it is. It's survival. I may survive performance is if you're a tier one operator, that person comes in, they take them out and they go about making dinner like nothing. Happened. <laughs> right. That's performance. Yeah. And so you can build performance through exposure. That's the mechanical model of building performance is through mechanical. Yeah. I can expose myself. Right. So for instance, Dave and his squat. Everything Dave had trained up until that point was through a mechanical lens. So in order to get a 10-pound squat, it took him a couple years to, to get a 10-pound PR. So he, and I think he had said he hadn't set a PR in that lift in a year. Wow. So it took him a year to get 10 pounds under the mechanical exposure model, right? Dealing right. with proprioceptive side. When we just went to the neurological lens and dealt with that, he put 90 pounds on in one day. And so the difference is, is your house, is, like I say, it's the electricity of the body. So the difference is you walk into your house at night, it's dark. What's more efficient, flipping on the light switch or changing every light bulb in your house? Yeah, that's a great analogy because it really does put things in perspective, you know, that it it's not necessarily the muscles, the tendons and the things, the mechanical side of it. It is. It's the electricity. And I think we never think about those kind of things. And that was, I think, the only time, and this is where you had explained it to me before, but the only time I had ever thought about that was like, okay, we want to have, you know, we warmed up, we did our stretching, whatever, and uh, we're going to do some ball slams or some jumps and some excitatory things, right? Because we want to wake up our nervous system. What's the difference with that yeah. and what RPR does? Yeah. So when you're, when you're, cause I used to do that, right. So, you know, another side of not powerlifting, but I competed in, um, mighty miss is who has the strongest grip in the world. So yeah. I got the grip. And so grip is highly neurological and I knew that. Right. And so you actually, if you want to see how someone, this is a cool trick for all the powerlifters out there. If you want to know, 
uh, just an easy gauge of what your nervous system is, where it is kind of in right now. And that's the thing. When I say where your nervous system is, it's right now. And then when I say where your nervous system is right now, 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 because it changes that fast, right? It's, it's just like a light switch flip on and off, right? It's just, that's where people get confused. Like how long does this last? How long does this last? Mm-mm. Nope. Wrong question. Well, it's the right question if we're talking about mechanical, right? So a light bulb tells me when I buy it, it burns for 5,000 hours. However, I have the light in my house on right now. If I flip the light switch off, does that mean those people were liars? No, right? right? It's two different systems. It's electrical and mechanical. So asking how long doing RPR works, that's the wrong question. The, que- the right question for the neurological is, do I know where it is? And do I know how to get it where I want it to be? Yeah. Just like the light switch. As long as I know where it is and I know how to turn it on, I can have lights. That's the important question. And that's where people get mixed up in RPR is they haven't learned the neurological lens. So they get caught in this. How long does it last? Because they think it's just like a light bulb that always has electricity. It's not. It is the electricity. And so with with what we do with it, right, is that, you know, that's where people really have a hard time is that neurological lens versus mechanical lens. And the thing is, is when I would do box jumps before my grip work, right, I, I was doing nervous system work and I was because everything does affect your nervous system. Right. However, what I was doing was I was affecting it the way I knew how, which is proprioceptively, which actually just does potentiation. Mm. So it, it excites whatever state that you're in. Right. So, so whatever the state, the nervous system is parasympathetic dominance and that what you're just exciting it. And so you're not actually changing Mo, you're not changing neurological firing patterns. You're not, you're not recruiting more u- motor units in a different order, right? You're just exciting whatever pattern you have, but you're not changing the pattern. And so the difference is, is that RPR completely changes your, actually your neurological firing pattern. Yeah. And so the thing that happens with that, I just, you know, a guy, you know, and, and you've seen this, obviously, you know, Devin, we had like cool video with him and, you know, I mean, I could push his leg down with one finger, no problem. And then I'm standing on his leg and I couldn't even push it down. Right. And that's instant because when you do hip extension, when you squat, when you deadlift, you do all that, your glutes should fire first. Yep. And so if you do, when you do box jumps and all the things to warm up, of course we have to, we still have to do that because why? And this is why I tell people, it's just order of operations. Yeah. The best part about RPR is it doesn't change anything you do in your training. It just makes what you do in your training more effective and efficient. And that's the cool part. It's order of operations. It's just like walking to my house. I'm going to flip on the light switch, right? But after I flip on the light switch, do I still need to have bright light bulbs and good fixtures? Yes. yes. And so, And so the thing is, is RPR doesn't fix anything, right? It just ensures that what you have is working the best that it can. Yes. And so if, if, you know, it's like, we talked about this, like, you know, if, if, if you're a female and you have a, you know, 200 pound squat, it doesn't mean it's going to give you an 800 pound squat. That's impossible. All it means is it, it maybe your 200 spot is you're not using things in the right pattern. Right. And so things hurt, maybe you're not getting as much up. Then you do RPR, it resets that pattern. Now all of a sudden, maybe you squat 220 right? It's, it's, it's not, it just optimizes what you have. It does not going to make anything amazing. That's not right. Because the mechanical structures still have to create the movement. Yep. It's just the electrical signal tells, allows it to do it at whatever level. 
So it, the electrical signal can say we're shutting it down and we're not firing anything. It can say we're going to fire at 10%. It can say we're going to fire at 50%. RPR says, fuck, 100%. Let's nail this shit. Yeah. And that's the cool part about RPR is it, it – and here's the thing. You know, for, for people listening who are younger, um, pe- people who are kind of more my age, I'm, I'm 42, they'll really know this. 20 years ago when I went through college, fascia did not exist. Yeah. So, so, so think about that. I mean, for all you young people out there who are like, who's this old crazy guy? Uh, <laughs> literally when I went through school in anatomy, the smartest people in the world didn't know fascia existed. Not like, not even know what it did. They didn't even know it existed. Yeah. And I remember then, when they, when I started talking about it with, I worked at a PT clinic and they're like, well, we've, you know, there's this thing that we heard about. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> now you can't walk down the street. I'll, I'll walk to any mall in America and ask some, anybody what plantar fasciitis is. I'm like, yeah, of course I've heard it. IT Dan, of course I heard that <laughs> 20 years ago, the Right. 20 years ago, the smartest people in the world didn't know something existed that is now common knowledge. Yeah. And 20 years, and I don't even think it's be 20 just because the technology and the rate of information diffusion in the world today. I think what you and I are talking about today on this podcast, people listening are listening to information that's probably five to 10 years away from being common knowledge. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, information, because, you know, the crazy part is, um, you know, yes, the performance benefits, but the mentals, I'm a better parent, right? So I know you have a lot of females that are on this and, and look, uh, not for nothing, but females are under so much more stress than dudes. It, it just is right. Yeah. You guys, I mean, from hormones to just societal expectations, right? Like yeah. not for nothing, but a big power lifter dude gets fat and it's cool. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. a slow dude. Uh, but, but girls get beefed up. Right. And there's a different connotation, maybe, yeah. maybe in powerlifting, but, but I think in the world in general, so, you know, females are under so much stress and, and, you know, it's more requirements as a mom, right? Like, yeah. look, and you know, it's just, it's the world we live in. I didn't design it, you know, so don't, don't send me letters. Right. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, like the thing is, is that, you know, what I've seen with, with our females that have really integrated RPR into their life is, is it changes so much. And I mean, for me, I was so high sympathetic that, you know, I'm literally a, it's funny, my 14 year old, like we talk about it, right. Just how much I'm different as a parent because I have a five-year-old and how much of a different apparent I am to my five-year-old now compared to when he was young and growing up. Right. Right, right. It's just massively different. I mean, you know, look for a long time in my life, up until I started doing this work, I thought there was two emotions a dude should have anger and orgasm that was it <laughs> that was those were the only two emotions i thought a dude should ever have yeah i mean and, so to the know. point of where somebody was parked in front of you right or a car was in front of you and you were oh, so God. mad that I they were in front of you bring up all the you bring up all the good stories <laughs> that you but, that uh, you decided to move the car this is how angry you were you're like you want to park in, yeah. park in front of me i'm gonna move your car <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good way to blow out a bicep. So and blow out my bicep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, picking up a card. So this is another, right? It's a good story, but it's a great life lesson for all right. your listeners. Don't, if someone's blocking you, man, <laughs> don't pick the car up and move it because it's a good way to tear a bicep. So, uh, that's so crazy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, but that that's the headspace I was in, right? And, and you feel and like you, RPR and this work that you've done with Be Activated, that that has changed uh, dramatically change the kind of person that you are today. Oh, it's changed me as a human being. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, even like, let's, let's take it out of abstract. Let's take it to just very, very just real things. Before I started doing this work, I had actually never read a book in my entire life cover to cover. So, so I, I mean, like I own super training, I'd flip through a chapter here, jump. I literally couldn't read from cover to cover. It, it was impossible. And now since doing this work, I probably read a book a month cover to cover. Wow. And it's, I mean, it has fundamentally, it's changed. I mean, even just the learning aspect, it's changed how I learn because I, my brain, the way it worked. And now let's, let's be honest. I probably have one of the worst cases of ADD ever. Right. But, you know, I've learned this works allowed, allowed me to, to be able to sit in a parasynthetic state. So what, what is reading when you when So think about it like this. We talk about learning and reading. It's your reading performance. Mm-hmm. So if you're in survival mode, as high sympathetic as I was, what do you think? So let's put it in another term. So this is something everyone can really visualize. When you're drowning, that is the highest level of survival. Yeah. So essentially my body, I was walking around every day and my body felt like it was drowning. So how good of a reading comprehension, how many pages are you going to flip through while you're drowning and someone's handing you a book going here, read this. It's really good. (laughs) Not very much. (laughs) Not very much. And that's functionally how I was living life. Mm. And so it's, it's changed me because now, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I do, you know, my breathing and my wake up drills, which, I mean, that's what RPR is, right? It's, it's breathing and wake up drills for those who don't have reference. It's a certain way of breathing and the wake up drills are rubbing your body basically in a certain way and, and in a certain order, the sequence is the key. You got to do the sequence in the right order. And so, you know, and, and when I wake up in the morning, I do that. I do it before I go to bed. I do it before I have crucial conversations with my kids or, or, you know, my staff. And like, I'll say this, you know, one, one of my, probably one of my greatest things in life is being able to serve the amazing people that I have at the spot athletics from my coaches to, to our clients, to, you know, the people even, you know, I mean, just my mother-in-law, she cleans the gyms for me, right? Like I, I get to serve some amazing people in in that role. And, you know, it's interesting before all this, I wasn't serving them, uh, in the best way. And, and, you know, it's funny, we had an intern, uh, who then worked for me as a coach and then went on to collegiate strength condition. And now he's, um, he's a strength coach with, uh, New York jets. And, uh, I was out, I was out at the jets actually doing some stuff for our PR. And, um, it was funny cause he's, we had dinner and he just goes, Holy shit, you are a different human being. Wow. And, you know, he interned with me before, uh, before all this, you know, before be activated in RPR and you know, what's the, and that's the great part about RPR is that, you know, for me, I've had seven knee surgeries, you know, my back, you know, which was obviously took me out of power theme. I don't have problems with my back anymore. So crazy. Right. And, right. And, and, and the cool part is, is, you know, I used to, you know, I obviously got to a great place where I won the world championship, but I would have flare ups, you know, and it's like, and probably people out there have had lower back issues. You know what I'm talking about where it's like, things are going good. Things are going good. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I can't get out of bed. Or yeah. I can't bend over. And now I don't have those ever because if I feel any little slightest thing, I know how to do RPR and shift my nervous system and my patterns and it goes away. Yeah. And, 
you know, I mean, my knee, I've had seven knee surgeries and, uh, on my left knee. And I mean, shoot yesterday, I was walking through target with my son and he loves transformers. So he's got to go look at transformers. So he's excited and he takes off running for the transformers and I'm trying to walk fast. My knee boom locks right up. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of stuck. Right. Because it, it felt like someone stabbed me in the knee every step I took. So I just stop, boom, take about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, hit my breathing and my wake up drills, my knee, boom, walk, no pain. I'm good. So crazy. And, and this is the thing, your, your nervous system is flipping a light switch. And when you know where those light switches are, it's so empowering because you can put yourself in a place instantly. And that's where people get confused with RPR. It's like, well, how long does it last? How long does it last? It's like, this is electricity. It, it lasts till the light switch gets flipped off. But what fl- switches the light switch on and off is stress. Yep. I mean, it's stress. Yep. And and there's so much stress in our world. Those switches are just constantly getting flipped off. And yeah. that's the cool part about our PRs. I can do everything myself and I can flip them on when I feel like the switch is off. That's the first thing I do now. And it's, and it's funny because that wasn't the lens I went for. You know, it was very mechanical. I even had somebody the other day, one of our members, she has... She was born with her knee. I think her knee is the the uh, kneecap is tracking higher. She was just born with it higher, so it it doesn't necessarily track correctly. So it'll go all over the place, even when she doesn't want it to. But she, so she always has kind of like something going on there. But her ankle was messing up. She's like, I don't know what happened. Top of my foot. It was a very weird injury. So we we're sitting down. And I was like, All right, can't, does it hurt when you touch it? And she's like, No. I go, Well, what about if you passively move it? She's like, No, it doesn't hurt there. And then I'm like all right, let me just have you lay down real quick. <laughs> and we did some breathing. I had her smoke a little reefer. For those of you out there, the reefer smoking is really a technique for breathing. It allows her to belly breathe a little better. So she did some reefer breathing. I did some knee. I, I don't know too much of the foot. I probably should, you know, do more Chris Chris's stuff or Cal has yeah. more feet stuff. Um, but I did a few knee um, VMO and I kind of just did some stuff around her ankle just to see. <clears throat> she was, I was just kind of pushing in some areas right around the her ankle. She's like, "Wow, that it doesn't hurt as much." And I'm like, "Okay, well, why don't you stand up?" She's like, "Wow, that's what happened. Like, why is it like that?" I go, "Well, well, can't explain completely, yeah. right? I mean, I don't really know, but well, I know that this so might this, be part you know, of it." Obviously, you know, you've started down this journey, and and I'll tell you, the rabbit hole is pretty deep. But I think the one thing that's key for people to understand out there is that. You know, when you address the neurological, you're addressing the cause of the issue, not the symptom. Right. And so when someone comes to me and says, my foot hurts, I start with breathing and I start with zone one, glutes, diet, you know, all that. Because if they don't have proximal stability, they aren't going to have distal mobility. Yeah. And so most of the time, right, when someone's ankle is bothering them, nine out of 10 times, I'll never even come close to touching their ankle because the problem isn't their ankle, right? That's just the place in the body where the symptoms showed up. Right. And this is the mechanical model is if someone's shoulder hurts or their ankle in your person's example, they go to traditional mechanical model person, they go right to the ankle, they go to the symptom and they do whatever they do at the symptom. Right. Well, the thing is, is if you're not addressing the cause of, think about this, right? So if, uh, you know, someone's squatting and they have too much weight on the bar and they're getting crushed. Right. So, so the, the symptom is they're getting crushed by too much weight. Let's say they're a 500 pound squatter and they try 600. Boom. They get smashed. They get under the bar again. Boom. They get smashed. Someone comes along with a mechanical model and goes, well, you're getting smashed. So uh, you better stop squatting. Mm. 
right? The neurological is looking at the cause, coming along, watching that happen and go, hey, maybe we should take some weight off the bar. Right, right. The problem's not the squatting. The problem is something else related that is somewhere else. And so this is the thing with the neurological lens is you don't go to the symptom. You go to the cause. Yeah. And there's, and, and there's so you can get so deep with the neurological realistically RPR is it's, it, it is an entry point because you can do everything yourself. It's simple. It's breathing and rubbing, right? It's, it's very simple to do. It's, it's super quick. Yeah. And so entry point, because you don't have to like you, like you're like, I just, I did some of the breathing some of the wake up drills and it felt better. That's a great part of it. You don't have to understand it for it to work. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to understand for it to work. Now, as you dive down the rabbit hole and start going, there's so much stuff that, I mean, there's so, so far you can go. The thing with it for me is that like just being able to know how to do RPR, not even understand why, like we've had, I mean, hundreds of people who like, oh my God, my shoulder killed. Now it feels great. Yeah. You know, my hip killed. Now it feels great because you got to think something hurts, not, well, think about it like this. People think your bones so for all those people out there that go to chiropractors and things, and 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 I we have chiropractors that you know teach RPR for us. Um, but think about this: when you go to a chiropractor, they're assuming that your bones are in a certain place because that's where your bones are, mm-hmm. and they're pushing on them to move where your bones are. I'm here to tell you right now, your bones are where they are because your nervous system is telling them to be there. That's right. When you shift the nervous system, and I think you've seen me do it where someone's hips are off and we level off their hips without ever touching them in about 20 seconds. Oh yeah. I got it on and video. Yep. I, I sent and it to the guy and he was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so this is the thing in 10 years from now, you know, if I have my way and Every chiropractor, you'll come in, they're addressed the neurological. Yeah. And then from there, right, then then maybe now, maybe I address the neurological, maybe the hips aren't perfectly lined, but they're close. Now we go to an adjustment. And I still believe in chiropractic. I think it's wonderful. However, we have kind of a testimonial from a chiropractor. It's amazing. He works in a huge practice. He's the only person in his practice. This is like 30 chiros. It's like in, it's in Chicago. Like It's a huge practice. He's the only Cairo in, in his practice who's gone through RPR and he's been through level one, level two. He's gone through our specialty stuff, which is really fucking cool shit. Yeah. Um, he sent a thing and he said, I'm discharging my patients two to five times faster than the rest of the docs in our practice. And I'm telling them all they need to go do this. And, and he's like, none of them want to. Now, I think part of it is right. People get scared when you start helping people that quickly because mm-hmm. What is the traditional Cairo model is like you go, right? So if someone normally, right, if normally it takes 20 visits and now they're, they don't need to come to you in four, yeah, right? Like maybe that's less money and that might be what the docs are thinking. I don't know why they're not doing it, but this is like, I don't even understand it. He's like, because he's the busiest guy in the practice now, because why? Who do you want to go to? The guy that says, Hey, in 20 visits, you'll feel better. The guy that says, you're going to feel great in four. Yeah. Exactly. Like I know who I want to go to, yeah. right? Shoot, <laughs> I'll pay double to go to the guy who gets me out in four because it saves me time and money, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if I pay for if I pay double for four visits, that's like paying for eight, which is still less than half of the twenty I was going to get. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that's, a, just, that's a that's a big thing, and I think that uh, besides the 
performance aspect, which I'm sure everybody listening is wanting, you know, to hear more about it, but that I'm sure everybody's got aches and pains. I mean, that's such a big thing. And, and in this sport, you're lifting heavy weights. If you're really doing it right, you know, you're challenging your body and in, in whatever that weight is. Um, and I've found that it's been so helpful for me just now because I do these you know, these, these drills, what we call the wake up drills. And I'll just go through zone one right before I deadlift. Cause a lot of times I'm very much just wow, you know, the business, kids, homeschool, all this kind of crap. Right. And so I've found myself just being able to stay more present in my training, breathing, present, breathing, present. So I'll just right before I'll just do zone one, maybe my, you know, couple here and there. And it's been so helpful for me. Well, yeah, I appreciate that feedback. For people listening, when she, when she says zone one, it's basically when we talk about rubbing, it takes about, you know, depending on the area, 15 to 30 seconds in an area. And it's just rubbing certain parts of your body. You do it all yourself and it just rub it in a certain way in a certain sequence. So when she's talking zone one, yeah. or we're talking zone two, just different areas of your body. But, um, and, and I think, you know, the key thing is, is that when you talk about that being able to be present, I think that's, that's so key. You know, it's so tough with all the, like you said, homeschool and all, just everything going on in the world. Today, there's so much stress. I mean, more than, I mean, this has been, I, I don't know anybody who this hasn't been the most stressful year of their life. Right. It's just, yeah. it's just the way. It is. So, but you know, I, I mean, and, and this is the thing, if, you know, if people out there, they're wondering, obviously, you know, they can go to our, our website, reflexive performance. And, you know, we're actually in, in the middle of, of just redoing the whole website. Cause you know, we put it up at first and we have, and now I'm coming back to spend a lot of time to actually, cause, cause a lot of stuff like what you're talking about, right. It's just a simple video, right. From you saying here, here's how I use this as yeah. a power lifter, as a mom, as a business part, right. Like, yeah. cause you, I mean, you got a lot going on, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot, <laughs> you got you to gotta deal with Devin. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> he's so much better now that he's in a parasympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, I, I look, I love powerlifting. I think, you know, to me, female powerlifting is, is one of the coolest things, right? Because it's so empowering. I mean, the young female athletes that come into our gym, we, I tell the parents and, and it's true of the males, but with the females, it's special. Nothing builds their confidence. Like seeing those weights go up, learning new exercises. It is the greatest thing for the young females that come into our gym. And, and, and I love it. And, you know, you said like you should be pushing heavy weights and that's the thing is, you know, there's somebody somewhere always stronger out there. Yeah. My question always is not, are you the strongest? Are you lifting absolute heavy weights? Are you getting better? Yeah. Right. That that's all. And to me, the process of getting better at something, working at something, powerlifting just gives so many gifts. And that's why I, I'll always love the sport. It'll be something I'll always promote. It's just at this point in my life, you know, I've, I've found something else that I, that, you know, I just, I I'm so passionate about because, you know, I love powerlifting and, and I've seen RPR help so many of my friends that are powerlifters with past injuries and even performance now. And, you know, but beyond that, it's, it's helping law enforcement, it's helping military. It's, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, it's helping teachers, it's helping students. I mean, just, you know, what I do with powerlifting and what I've done with powerlifting is great for me. Now I'm more focused on something that, that it really is great for other people. Yeah. That's wonderful. And maybe you could talk a little bit about this individual course that you have coming out or that, that came out, correct? <sighs> yeah. No, no, we're beta testing it. Still. Okay. So, so it'll be out shortly. Um, it's definitely gonna be out before the end of the year. We're just making some final tweaks, beta testing. Cause 
I, I really, you know, again, mastery, I really want to put something out there that, that is really the best. And, you know, right now, you know, this, you know, going through the, the co- coach's course, it's a lot, man. Your brain feels like it's going to explode. It oh, is yeah. a lot. Um, and you know, it's a, you know, full day of learning for level one, a full day for level two. And so what we're doing with the individual course, and, and I think it's, it's needed now more than ever is it's going to be a course that's going to be under an hour and it's going to give you just how to do the breathing, how to do the wake up drills. It's going to tell you a little bit why, but not dive into the science so deep where anybody gets lost. We're keeping it very, you know, to me, the way I, and part of our beta test is showing it to, to my nine-year-old daughter and, and saying, Hey, it. does this, does this make sense to you? Right. Yeah. Does this make sense? That's part of the beta test. And it's great dad daughter time. And so, uh, and so for us, it's going to be something. So we have a couple individual courses coming out. So we have a competitive athlete course, which is going to be for people, obviously, who are actively competitive and athletic. So it's going to dive into how to use it with competitive athletics and when to use it and all these things. And then we have another course that's coming out that's going to be geared towards um, more just active adults that, that are high performers. Maybe not someone who, who necessarily cares about being the best powerlifter in the world or the best football player in the world, but someone who's just, hey, I'm a mom. I love to lift. I want to feel better. I want to be less stressed out. That's the active adult course, right? Yeah. It's geared for that person. And then we're, we also have a course coming out for that's an individual course um, that is for law enforcement and military and firefighters and that side of it. So for us, you know, my thing is, is I wanted to put something out there that gave people what they need to get the most out of RPR and they could learn it, do it and implement it in under an hour. And so I'm really excited about this project. I've been working really hard on this for, for a while. And, you know, the, the hardest part about this project has been I'm taking something that literally you could spend your entire life studying and not understand. And I'm trying, I'm, and, and I'm not trying, I am putting it into a less than an hour course where it totally makes sense. <laughs> I, I tell you, that's my experience every time I have to tell somebody or we talk about, I mean, because that is part of, you know, the first thing we do is the RPR and then we move on to our everything else. And it, yeah. I think the thing that I was missing for a while was, you know, because people want to know like, well, how do I know if it's working or, da, 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 you know, these things. And I never thought about it. Well, besides testing, you know, things will start feeling different. Like one of the biggest things for me that I did not even think about was that, you know, your eye, your eyes start to dilate for some people, right? So you're taking in more light. I would immediately feel that. And I just thought it was me because I have always kind of like when I rub a spot, I've always kind of like, oh, I felt that. But it was to the point where I was rubbing this side and this eyeball started expanding. <laughs> and it was like, it looked like totally like I smoked way too many joints and when I was really big and I could feel it. I was like, Oh, this is really weird. And then I go into this one and this one would slowly open. I was like, it's so fucking weird. But that is now like my reference point when I tell people, Hey, you might start feeling this or you might start feeling that. And, and that's been very helpful for me to get that, that connection at least. Well, uh, so there's two things. One, I'm going to give the explanation to why that happens. <laughs> so now you'll have an explanation. Yeah. And two, um, what we did, probably one of the biggest mistakes we made with RPR was we'd show people tests and it would tend, they'd be, you know, mind's blown, right? Sit up, boom, they can't hold you up. Boom. All of a sudden they're 40% stronger instantly, right? Yeah. People's minds are blown. Yeah. The thing was, was that we, we don't, you, you know, you, 
when we come people same thing come to our facility we can't test them every day because we just don't want to take the time out of the workout it's like let's just do it right so so what we realized was most people just aren't even aware of how their bodies feel so one of the greatest things we've done and it's funny so I don't know when you went through if we did this or or not, but we've up, we're we're actually I'm in the process of updating our level one online course because one of the biggest things now that that I learned from from experience to spot right like the longer you do things, the better you get at them. And now everybody who comes into the spot, if we're doing say lower body, we do three squats and three toe touches, and we just go, how did that feel? Awesome. Then we go through RPR breathing in the wake up drills, right? Breathing and rubbing. We go through that. It takes about three minutes to go through that. And then we say, okay, do three squats and three toe touches. They do it again and we go, did that, how did that feel? And every time they're like, oh my God, that feels so much better. So, so what I would recommend is like for you, it's your eyes and that works and that's great. However, for most people, just a couple of squats and toe touches or like moving their shoulders Mm -hmm. and then, then going through and then moving their shoulders, they'll feel a difference. Now, the big thing is, is if you're already, your switches are already turned on pretty well. And let's say your shoulders, you're super hypermobile and everything feels great. Well, when you go through RPR, it's still going to just feel great, right? You're not going to notice a huge difference right? where you notice the dip, right? Cause it doesn't make anything amazing. That's not right. It just optimizes what you have. So if you, something like, let's say you squat and all of a sudden a hip feels tight, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, those light switches aren't quite on, right? Yeah. Then we go through RPR and those light switches go on, you squat down and all of a sudden that tightness is gone in the hip. Yeah, That's when you really notice it. So that baseline, I always like to get people to do something. And usually if you go squat and toe touches, something in that chain, the light switches aren't quite hitting for people. Yeah. And then when they retest and they're on, they'll feel a huge difference or maybe not even a huge difference. Cause if they're feeling pretty good, they'll just notice a difference. Right. right and and right. Don't, don't always have to be huge. If someone's feeling crappy, it might be huge. It might not. Right. Right. The thing is, is it's not like did everything get amazing. It did it get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the key thing. And the other thing is for your eyes, do you know, Do you have any idea why that happened? Yeah. Well, I figured it was because of the amount of light that I'm taking in, right? Because the light, the eyes are dilating. So I'm taking in more light. Um, So I just assumed more light, but why did the eyes dilate? I just assumed I went to parasympathetic slightly. (laughs) And then that started it. That that is, it's a hundred percent correct. Okay. Why did the eyes dilate in parasympathetic? Um, I guess to be more reactive, right? I mean, why would I want more light to come in if I want to be more aware of things? I guess I'm, if I'm looking at it as like why my eyes would dilate, right? Yeah. So you're you're on you're 100% on the right track. I'll just kind of like push the thought process over the finish line for you. Like, so you're 100%. You're right there. You're just not quite getting over the finish. So parasympathetic is performance, mm-hmm. right? It's also safety, mm. and so. When your body feels safe, you can take in a ton of light and a ton of information because you're not overwhelmed by it. Mm. When you're in a sympathetic or survival, you don't feel safe. So your eyes constrict to limit the amount of information because your body already feels unsafe in survival mode. And so it can't take in as much information or it would overload your body and your brain. You wouldn't be able to take it. Yeah. And so once you're hundred percent right, you rub, you do it, it goes parasympathetic, you dilate because you actually feel safe and stable and you're able to take in more of the environment and handle and process that information because you're in a better place in your body. Interesting. Yeah. So that's my go-to because I feel like that for me is like super reactive that behind my head, there's certain things that I know immediately elicit a change so, and I could just, so- I just start it 
And I'm like, wow, this is instant now. Before I'd be like, I don't know, hard, you know, like you kind of like overthink it. And I think that's one of the big things is people overthink it a little bit. Um, and I, I tell it's just them, breathing, it's just yeah. breathing and rubbing. Breathing yeah, and rubbing. I just say, you know, got to feel some. So you can't, I had somebody, I was, they were doing this. They're get, I wasn't even looking at it. She was looking at her phone. She was going like this. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> and she's like, First what? First of all, I was you're like, training just looking at your phone. We got a bigger yeah, problem. That's what I said. I was like, listen, this is time for you to work out, yeah. not for your phone. She goes, I know. She's she, she you know, she's a businesswoman, so it was like her clients. And I'm like, put the phone down and rub that chest hard. <laughs> well, but, but this gets into the whole point that you're talking about, about being present. present. Right? right? So you're not present. You're not present in your workout, but because you're in your workout, you're really not present for the person you're talking to. Correct. So you're really, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing right. the person on the phone a disservice. And that's the thing. Think about that. Like when you're with your kids, right? Are you present with your kids? I can tell you that I definitely used to never be present with my kids. Yeah. I was a hundred million things. Now, like my little man, he's five. He talks to me and we sit and we just look at each other's eyes and we, we ramble on about transformers and bot bots and all kinds of good. Oh, he stuff, would he so. would have a good time with my daughter because she's five too. She got a whole lot of energy. I mean, she would be telling your son what to do and be like, "Hey, come and play with me. You come and play." <laughs> like she's got. It's yeah. so so cute. Okay, before we wrap this it's up, it's awesome. Yeah, I got I got to tell you, man. I got I got to get back down there and visit, man. For yeah. sure. Oh, we'd love that. And I think that there, you know, there was a be activated practitioner here at one of the CrossFit clinics. Um, and so when you came down, somebody had asked me. They're like, "Is that the same as be activated?" And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's, you know, you know, and then we explained it, but yeah, I mean, there's yeah, definitely a need yeah, for the way it. I explain it is, yeah, the, the, the different, yes, I think like, you know, the, the, the difference is this RPR is brushing your teeth. It's self care for your yeah. nervous system. Be activated is going to the dentist. Yeah. It's going, having someone do things for you that maybe you can't do yourself or yeah. they have to check to make sure you're doing it correctly. Right. right? And so that's the difference, you know, is, is, they all, it, it all has its place, right? You don't stop brushing your teeth and just go to the dentist. You don't just brush your teeth and you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't just go to the dentist, not brush your teeth or just brush your teeth and not go to the dentist, right? The, they both have their place and their application and they're both beautiful in what they do. It's just, they do things differently, right? Yeah. But it's the same philosophy. It's coming from the same place. It's just getting there a little differently. It's, it's self-care versus going to someone and having them care for you. Yeah. Which is, that's the beauty of it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So before I let you go, and I feel like you've already kind of dived deep into things that you've done in the past that you thought like, what the fuck was I doing? But this is where I ask all my guests. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you people? What the fuck was I thinking? Where you look back at a time, maybe in your powerlifting career, where you did something and you're like, why did I do that? What the hell was I thinking? Can you think of a time like that? I think a lot. You know, I think there's so many things, you know, so it's funny, right? It's, you know, we talked about like how I made other money. That was, I was driving escorts around Columbus till I got like my personal training job. And, you know, it's funny. I look at that. And it's not really why I didn't do that. I did that because I was living on someone's couch in a one bed apartment. I had no money. Right? Yeah. Like I know. Why do what I you got to do. Um, what I would say. Yeah. What the biggest, why did I do that? And I'll, I'll keep it powerlifting related because, because it's, I still, to this day, I, I have no clue what I, I don't even know. So after I hurt my back, I was looking for any way to get it to be better. And powerlifting is everything. So, uh, Louie 
said, I know this guy and he does these things with spines and it might help you and this and that. So I'm like, well, whatever, man, maybe if this will help me, I'll try it. Right. So to this day, I, I don't know, like, this is where I'm like, holy cow, this is where I was mentally. So we'd go to this like nondescript brick building on the West side of Columbus. Actually, no, it was on the East side of Columbus. Cause, and, and so we go in this building and it kind of looks like a doctor's office, but it, it's, I don't know. It was just kind of in the hood and it was just weird. And we go it behind, right? There's it's it was weird setup. And there's a dude in scrubs. So, like, I guess I assumed he was a doctor. And he pulls out. So he's talking to me about the spine and about how he does his stuff and pressures. And I'm just like, I don't know. Do you think it'll help? And he's like, Oh, yeah, 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 it'll help. He pulls out this needle, and I mean, this needle was, I don't know, 10 inches long. And it's like it's it's it was super thick too. Right. So he's like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to bend over this table and I'm going to stick this directly in your spine and I'm going to inject this into your spine. And then that should help like relieve the pressures and do this. And so I'm like, all right. And so literally I'm bent over this table and he sticks this needle in my spine. I feel it pop and I feel it pierce. And he injects his shit and it, I mean, it burned, it killed. Like I, it, I couldn't walk for about two. He's like, okay, now you got to lay down. Don't move for about three hours. And I just laid there just totally silent, like just staring up, talking to Louie. And at three hours, I get up, walked away. Now here's the deal. Nothing bad ever happened. Never made me feel better. Never made me feel any worse. But I still, to this day, have no clue. Cause I didn't even ask him. I don't know what he injected into my spine. I'm, I'm out there telling everyone this and don't ever let anybody inject anything into your spine. It is, I, I seriously, to this day, I, I, I cannot believe I let someone do that. Like I kind of could have paralyzed. Me, yes. Right. And I still don't know what he injected in me. Right. I was just, I just didn't even ask. I just, Louis, Louis thinks it might help. And this guy says it'll help. Okay. That is crazy. And then it didn't even help you. No. It didn't, I mean, it didn't, I mean, it hurt a little bit going in. I mean, he numbed me up a little bit before he stuck the needle in, but, um, it, it hurt a little bit going in and stuff, but it was just more like a pop and a stick. It wasn't really much. It burned though. When he put that solution, like it, it was like tingles all over my body. It was crazy. Um, and I laid there for like three hours, just tingling kind of, but it never really, it didn't hurt. Nothing got worse. Nothing got better, but he's so crazy. Just, that is crazy. I can't even it, imagine allowing somebody to do that, especially not in like a real fac- I guess it kind of looked like a doctor's office so <laughs> oh that's awful jail that's a bad one I think that's probably one of the worst I had we had somebody and I always bring this one up but she put uh she had <laughs> she used a uh, type of massage cream she had a really you know it's like a strong massage cream she bought it online and she had a hip flexor pain so she took that massage cream and just rubbed it into the hip flexor and she took a shower. So that went all down in the goodies and it burned her vagina uh, for dude, so long. She ended up dude, using yogurt I, on I it. Used, <laughs> I used Aquablock. <laughs> you, you used Aquablock before? I've never used it, but I know people have used it. It's. Oh, I yeah, think it's, it's like the same. porcelain and it burns. So, so that's bad. what she used. Dude, something very multi- similar. Multiple times. 
let's just say that you've rubbing that stuff on your hands at the gym and you go back to your girlfriend and things get a little frisky oh. multiple times. It ended poorly. Oh. Multiple times it ended poorly. That's awful. Yeah. That's awful. So what your friend, what your friend experience is worse. I've, I've had a several girlfriends who I put through that on accident. Oh yeah. She couldn't get it. I mean, she said, I tried everything, milk, this, and it was nothing but Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt was the one thing that made it well, go away. There you go. I know. And I was like, See, shit, again, now everybody knows. These awful stories give you such great life lessons. It that does. When you get in a jam, you, you're like, oh my God, Greek, Greek yogurt. yogurt. Oh, thank God I listened to freaking Ana Perez. Ana Perez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, JL, this was great. Thank you so much for taking this time and really diving deep into RPR. And I know that a lot of people have asked me, because I've been putting videos up, I've been talking a lot more about it. Um, and it kind of clarifies how it works, um, especially for our community. So I think that like a lot of women too, they, you know, they'll listen to other podcasts, but sometimes when it comes on this, our show, they, it comes a little different for them. So I like that the message could have came well, from you from here. Well, you know, the thing is, man, Heidi, I really appreciate you having me on. It was, it was just a lot of fun talking as always. And, you know, like I said, man, the, females are under more stress than it i mean they just are yeah it just right it's not fair i know i get it i got an unfair advantage i'm a dude right it, and i i don't have some of the same judgments and things so you know that it's 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 i love that you have this podcast i love just being able to come on and, and be a part of it